Well, good morning, everybody. <clears throat> I was um, laying in my bed early on Wednesday morning, and um, I think that you guys probably also now and then get some of these mornings. Um, I was thinking about what am I going to preach about today, and the thoughts are going through my mind, because next week is uh, the rally, know what I'm going to preach then, and after that, maybe do a series of some things, and December's year, and then it's Christmas, and all that stuff, and then it's New Year's. Can you believe it? The year is almost done. It's incredible. And so Wednesday night, uh, Wednesday morning, lying in my bed thinking, oh, because we had a late night, I'll tell you now why, and um, I just don't want to get up, man. I just want to sleep. And, and that's the moment that I realized the value of memorizing Scripture. It's a Scripture that goes through my mind. And I don't know why this is one of those verses that I know particularly well. It goes like this. You can close your eyes and listen to me. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands, and poverty will come upon you like a bandit. I'm thinking that while I'm lying in bed. I'm like, you useless human. This is a message from God. I've got to preach this. So I decided today I'm going to talk about laziness. Laziness. Now, the reason why we were, uh, why I was tired on Wednesday morning is because Tuesday night, guess what happened? Tuesday night for the Kreiling family, since we've been living here, is the once a year, collect as much free candy as you can. For us, it's not about the demons and the dress-ups, but I'm like not used to living in a place where you get free sweets and stuff. So this year, we were a little bit better prepared. We had like a, a washing basket in the back of the car. The kids are packed up, loaded in. We go up and down the streets of Sweet Home. Man, we went everywhere. Then we went to the houses. But the first hour, I'm done. My legs are broken. Oh, but that's only the first round. Second round is in, second round is in Lebanon. We went to Southside Christian Church. Oh, there were sweets. Oh, we just packed it in. We had buckets, man. Just buckets. We go fill it up in the car. And then, we, and then we went to the Boys and Girls Club. From the Boys and Girls Club, we came back to Sweet Home. People were advertising on Facebook that they've got sweets left at the house. We're like, right on, put the address. We go. <laughs> we get at some houses. And there's lights up everywhere. And I'm like, tired. I don't want to. I really don't want to. I don't want to walk anymore. I'm tired. So we drop the kids off. And we drive with the car slowly. And they go from door to door. So Wednesday morning, I'm tired. And I think about, I'm going to preach about laziness. And I Google a little bit. You know, what, is, what does Google say about laziness? And I came across this guy. This guy here. His name is, uh, I forgot what his name is. Paul Railton. Considered the laziest man in the world. And you won't guess why he's considered the laziest man in the world. Because a jogger caught him taking his dog for a walk while he was driving his car. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. And I'm like, I did not do that last night. Let the kids walk and I'm driving slowly. And I realized I was lazy. This guy, his license was suspended because he was charged with not being in proper control of a vehicle. For six months, he wasn't allowed to, to drive his vehicle because he was leading his dog in his car. But apparently... Apparently, laziness is a problem in America. On my Google search, I came across various articles. Americans blow 27.8 billion a, a year by being lazy. Um, lazy and entitled, why the struggle is real for U.S. millennials. I'm just highlighting some of the things I came across just quickly, and I snapshotted it. Americans have become lazy, and it's hurting the economy. 
Um, there's another article, too much free government aid is fueling depressing pro-lazy America. Um, the U.S. is one of the world's laziest countries, and it's making us fat. All of these articles seem to point to some problem that I think, I don't think it's just America. I think Western mindset, maybe just in general. I mean, if you go to China, those Chinese are working like ants everywhere. They're just grafting. But uh, the, the Western lifestyle maybe is a little bit different, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. I read research about cereal um, and, and millennials. The, the, the Washington Post wrote about this, that the cereal sales have gone down by 30%. Now, probably 50 years ago, I don't know, some of you are, who's, who's got less hair and a little bit gray, you, you would remember that maybe when you were small, I don't know, did you guys eat cereal? Was cereal around? Okay, so maybe it's your parents, 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 maybe, that just had oats or whatever, and it was hard work to like, make bacon and eggs. And when cereal came onto the scene, that was like an easy, quick breakfast for lazy people, wouldn't you say? So in the last 15 years, the, the, the sales of cereal has gone down by 30%. And so people couldn't figure that out. And they said, well, maybe the reason is because people are becoming more healthy, so they want to have smoothies with nuts and fruit and things like that, and maybe that's why people are buying less cereal. Well, it turns out that 40% of millennials in a recent survey said eating cereal was inconvenient because they had to clean up after eating it. So, it seems like if we just take a general sweep across Google and look at what people are saying, there seems to be some type of a problem with regards to Laziness, And I understand sort of the thing in America, and, and maybe people in America don't realize this, but somebody coming from outside, if you don't work in Africa, it's the end of you. And in America, I think it's a little bit easier. It, there's ways to live without having to work. So why, why go work if you don't really have to? If there's all kinds of, like for example, in Sweet Home, you can go get a meal every evening of the week for free. You don't have that in other countries. So if I can eat at night for free and I can get free food by shame, why should I work? And if the government gives me some money, why should I work? And so maybe a good country and this great country that we live in does in some way produce lazy people. Okay, it's understandable. But what's difficult here, to be honest, and I think we all grapple with this, is the judgment that you have to make as a Christian on people who seem to be lazy. For example, the homeless. Why are the homeless homeless? Is it because of drugs? Is it because of mental issues? Is it because they've got some physical issue? They can't work. Is it because of bad luck? Maybe just something bad happened to them. Their whole family died somehow. Or, or somehow they lost everything that they've had through some other way. Or is it because they are lazy? And that's the difficulty that we deal with. Because we have to respond to the homeless. We have to respond to the poor. And if, and if we don't know why they are there, it makes it very difficult. And so we can talk like forever about, well, are they just lazy? Or is it uh, mental instability? Is it alcohol or whatever? I don't want to talk about that this morning. What I want to talk about this morning is not why people out there are lazy. I want to really ask the question. This is it. Can a Christian be lazy? Because that's what we, we are. We're Christians, right? So how do we deal with laziness? And what does the Bible say about it? Because when the Bible talks about laziness, it's really directed us. So we should take this uh, to heart. That's what I'm going to deal with this morning. And I want to say from the outset, 
very clearly, a Christian cannot be lazy, to be honest with you. And you're going to see the text say that today. Um, and I want you to do some introspection this morning. Test yourself. You might be going through your whole life. Maybe you've been going through and you've had lots of problems. You maybe have never made ends meet. You maybe have had troubles around every corner. And I want to tell you this. That it is possible that your key problem in your life is potentially laziness. And nobody has ever told you that. And maybe you haven't realized that either. You have an opportunity this morning to reflect on your own life and to say, hey, are there certain areas of my life that I'm lazy? And I'll be honest with you, I do have some of those. And that's why in some areas of my life I'm not as success successful as in other areas of my life. I came across this quote, laziness is a secret ingredient that goes into failure. But it's only kept a secret from the person who fails. And so it's so sad that people go through life and they would say, well, you know what, life is so unfair. I just don't make it. I just, I'm just not as blessed. I just don't have the opportunities other people have. And actually the real problem is this. You, you're just lazy. And you've got to own that and stand up from that. So in order to help us, I've basically looked at most of the scriptures that talk about laziness. And I'm going to give us just quickly um, six biblical signs of a lazy person. And this should help you. If you want to check out, you, you're trying to figure out this morning, am I lazy or not? Like, where do I fit in? I'm going to give you sort of a biblical description. And there might be some more. I've just pointed out six. And who would like to guess where you go for stuff like this? Which book in the Bible? Probably Proverbs, right? Slothfulness, laziness. Okay, so here we go. Are you ready? You want to write down? And here's a cool thing. You can write down these scriptures and go check it again later. Because I'm going to deal with a lot of scriptures. And I'm giving you a broad overview this is something that, that Brother Dave will really do well in his Bible study to unpack with, with everybody over a few weeks. So just, it's just a broad summary, and there's lots to say, but let's keep it just that way. Number one, a, a way to identify whether you're lazy or not is you never have enough. You never have enough. Your needs are not met ever. Lots of verses. Proverbs 10 verse 4. Lazy hands make for poverty. The way to poverty, to not having enough, is being lazy. But diligent hands brings wealth. So if you want to you achieve, you want to have enough, you've got to be diligent. You've got to work hard. Yeah, Proverbs 13 verse 4. A sluggard's appetite is never filled, but the desires of the diligent are fully satisfied. Simple, right? Proverbs 26 15. A sluggard buries his hand in the dish. He is too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. I can imagine this guy is trying to eat. In Africa, they eat with their hands, right? And his hand is like, in the, there's food in his hand. There's food in the dish. He, he won't go hungry, but to get his hand to his face is the problem. Like, people have opportunities. They've got talents. They've got gifts. They've got opportunities to excel. And the only thing they have to do is work. But they won't do it. That's why they don't get the opportunity. It's like God gives it to you in your hand, but you don't want to lift it. The problem is the effort. Proverbs 21, 25, the craving of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. 
So what this entails is this, the guy who's lazy is saying, you know what, I really want that car or that house, or I want that life or whatever the case may be. But he won't put the effort in to get it. And so he dies with those desires. He never gets to experience those uh, desires. So you desire many things, but you're not willing to work for it. You can have it, but you don't want to work for it. You want the food, you want the house, you want the car, but you're not willing to roll up your sleeves for it. And eventually you die without it. So that's point number one. You never have enough. Point number two. You have less now than in the past. You have less now than in the past. You used to have more. You used to be more successful. You used to be more blessed. But now you don't. Look at these verses. Proverbs 18 verse 9. One who is slack in his work is brother to one who destroys. The Greek word there, a Hebrew word for destroys, is basically, as it says, destruction. It's not constructive, it's destructive. And so because they are in the same family, the one who is lazy and the one who destroys, they produce the same results. If you are lazy, you don't want to work, you're not constructing your life, you're not building it up, you're breaking it down. You're going to lose more than what you gain because you're lazy. But if you're diligent, you're going to acquire more. You're going to construct. You're going to build up your life. Here's another verse. Uh, Proverbs 14, 23. All hard work brings a profit. We can trust this. You work hard, you will get more. You don't work, you will lose more. It's just the principle of life. More talk leads only to poverty. And that's another point I didn't put in here. But lazy people talk a lot. And do nothing. And you, you've met some of those, right? Oh, they can figure out the world. They know. There is actually a point coming up about that. They can talk so much. They figure out the world, but they do nothing. The problem is they don't add their work to their talk. Let's look number three. Sleeps more than necessary. <clears throat> some of the teenagers are going, oh boy. Proverbs 19, 15, laziness brings on deep sleep, and the shiftless go hungry. Proverbs 10, 20, verse 13, do not love sleep, or you will grow poor. Some of you are saying, oh, why is this verse in the Bible? Sleeping is incredible. Stay awake, and you will have food to spare. Chapter 26, and verse 14, as a door turns on its hinges, so a sluggard turns on his bed you know what he's talking about how many hours do they say we need to sleep seven or eight right you've heard that before seven or eight and some of you want to go into a boxing fight you say ten no seven to eight that's what we need quick question why does sleep exist for the body to rest wouldn't you say that's why God designed it, for the body to rest. Why would the body need rest? Because it's been working. Ecclesiastes 5 verse 12 tells us that the sleep of a laborer is sweet. So he's been working. That's why he sleeps well, because he's been busy. Now we have another problem in our world. People can't sleep. And some of you probably can agree with this. You can't sleep. And one of the reasons why they can't sleep is because they don't work. They're lazy. And I, I don't mean any judgment on those who are retired. Because I, I can understand. 
Like you've been, you've, you've, you've been on the porch the whole day sipping tea. It's going to be hard to sleep tonight. It's, it's really, and, and no judgment. You've worked your whole life to get there. I, I get you. But that's another discussion, how great um, retirement really is. Okay, so I'm not laying any judgment on you. But generally, we can't sleep because we don't work. Right? That, that's why. So what do you do when you, can't, when you can't sleep? You go get some pills. Right? You go get some drugs at Safeway. Some sleeping tablets and stuff. Some melatonin. And you take one every night. Why? So that you can, so you can sleep. And what happens? You end up sleeping for 10 hours instead of 7. You feel great. It was an incredible sleep. But you've just wasted 3 hours of your day. And you add that up every day over a whole year, you've really, and it's, it's, it's a vicious cycle that begins. You do nothing, then you want to sleep, but you can't, and then you take a pill to sleep, and you give the pillow, pillow an extra three hours of attention. And the next day, the cycle begins again. To be honest with you, that is, the, that is potentially a life of uselessness and a waste of time that God has given us on the earth. The best remedy... You don't have to pay me for this. The best remedy for sleeplessness is work. Can't sleep at night, get busy in the day. Promise you it will work. Number four, you only work when you must. Another sign of a lazy person. You only work when you absolutely have to. But if you don't have to, you're not going to do anything. You're lazy. Love you. Love me, but I'm lazy. Okay? Proverbs 12 verse 24 Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in forced labor. Lazy people end up in forced labor. These are the people that beg for a job, receive a job, but a month later disappear when they get their first check. You want to know about that? Go talk to Doug. He's had a few of those. The moment they have the money and they realize, well, I don't have to work now, then you know you're a lazy person. Lazy people only work when they must. Prudent and proactive people work even when they don't have to. That's how you know you're not a lazy person. You go work when it's not necessary. All your income is covered, but you still go work. You get stuff done. You work in the garden. You fix the car. You paint the house. Then you know you're not a lazy person. Well done. Number five. Make up excuses to avoid work. Anybody been there? Proverbs 26 verse 13. I had to read this verse a few times. A sluggard says there's a lion in the road. A fierce lion roaming the streets. You know why he's saying that? He's saying, no, we can't go outside to work. There's a lion in the road. It's going to eat me. Like when you were at school, and Dave, I don't know what stories you have as a, as a teacher at school. Well, the dog ate my homework book. That's why I didn't do my homework. I can't come to work because I broke my arm reaching out to catch a falling sandwich. I can't come to work because I ate cat food instead of tuna and I'm deathly ill. I can't go work today because I'm experiencing traumatic stress from a large spider that I found in my home. I can't go to work because a cow broke into my house and I have to wait for the insurance man. I can't go to work because my bed wasn't feeling well this morning, so I stayed home to take care of it. I can't go to work because my sister's friends, mother's, grandpa's, brother's, grandson's, uncle's fish died. And yes, it was tragic. You know what I'm saying. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 19 says, The way of the sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. And I had to grapple with this verse a little bit. Does this mean that life is more difficult for the, for the sluggard? Like is his path not as nice as the upright guy? And 
What the commentators say is this. No, in his mind, it looks like the path in front of him is just filled with thorns. So he rather stands still and looks at it. But the person that's willing to work, he sees a path ahead of him and he's willing to work for it. And then the last one alluded to earlier. A lazy person is wise in his own eyes with nothing to show for it. Proverbs 26, 16. A sluggard is wiser in his own eyes than seven people who answer discreetly. You have all the ideas. Um, you know better than everybody else, right? I've met some of those people. You know how to do life. But when people look at your life, there's no success. There's nothing. You're poor. You're broken. Your relationships are falling apart. You own nothing. You haven't had a successful job. But you know how to do life. No. You might know how to do life. But your problem is this. You don't know how to do it. Because you're lazy. You yourself know what work needs to go in to get it done. But you don't want to do it. So that tells me you're lazy. As simple and clear as it is. You don't know how to put them into action. Okay, so there's six points for you that you can go do with what you want and, and figure out whether you fit anywhere into that. Now, let me give you a biblical rebuke on laziness. Lazy and Christian do not go together. They don't fit in the same category. The scripture never approves of la laziness and always speaks of it in a negative light. In actual fact, if you go right to the beginning, remember Genesis, book of beginnings. You want to know anything about the beginning of anything? You go to Genesis. And if we go to Genesis and we look at what God told Adam and Eve, what's the first things he commanded them to do? You come up with this. Number one, he told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, right? Reproduce, have kids in other words. The second thing he told them was rule. Rule over what? The fish of the sea, the birds of the air, nature itself. Rule the earth and subdue it. The third command he gives them is work. Work the garden. And then he says, take care of it. In other words, be a steward. And this is where the word maintenance comes in. I come from Africa. One of the biggest struggles in Africa is that people don't work. And then they don't understand why they are poor. And nobody feeds them. It's like sometimes I want to take the people here that's homeless, that, that can work. There's jobs everywhere, but they don't want to. I want to take them to Africa. Let them go live there for a few months. We'll see how long they survive. They will die. They will die there because nobody's going to feed you there, man. You don't work, you're going to struggle. And the second problem they have in Africa is they don't know how to maintain stuff. That's why the electrical grid of the whole country in South Africa is falling apart. They don't know how to maintain. Yes, the fourth commandment in the Bible says... Take care of it, the garden. Take care of your house. Take care of your car. Take care of your relationships. It's a commandment from God. Genesis 2 verse 15. The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. We have been created by God to work. In actual fact, the God that we serve works. John chapter 5 verse 17. My father is always at his work to this very day. And I too am working. In actual fact, right now Jesus is working. Who knows what he's busy doing? He's building a mansion. 
That's what he said he's going to do. John chapter 14. He's building a place for us to live. Now what that looks like, don't think about concrete blocks and, and golden streets. Don't worry about that. But he's busy. He's busy. God isn't lazy. God works. But you know what's cool about God? He also rests. Now you can rest if you've worked. But if you rest and you haven't worked, you're not resting. You're being lazy. Simple as it is. All right. Let me give you a New Testament passage because many are saying, yeah, Proverbs, you know, interesting text. Let me give you a New Testament passage where Paul directly rebukes laziness. And I want you to listen carefully to what he says here. This is crazy. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6 to 15. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul says that, you need to listen up. We need to listen up. Okay. In the name of Christ. This is not him speaking, not his authority. He's saying, what I'm going to say next, this is in the authority of Christ. We command you, your big words, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle. It's a great word. It's maybe something that in America is not such a big deal, but in, in Africa we always use that word. I'm idling my car. Is that familiar to you? idling my car. When you put the car in neutral and it's just running, it's going nowhere. Great word, right? You're a Christian, you're going nowhere. You're just idling. You're alive, but you're not going forward, backwards, nothing. Absolutely useless. It's just in existence. Okay? So he says, um, I want you to keep away from every believer who's idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. He's talking on behalf of the apostles. He says, we were not idle. That a lazy apostle, there isn't such a thing. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, laboring and toiling, so that we would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we do not have the right for such help. And remember a few weeks ago I spoke about tithing. These guys were supported by the Christians. They didn't have to go work, make tents in order to preach the gospel. The church was supposed to support them. But he says, hey, when we were with you, we didn't even take that right. We worked night and day to make sure that we're not a burden to the church. Because maybe the church wasn't doing that well financially. And then he says, um, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. So when we were with you, maybe, maybe it was this. The apostles came to this church and they saw these bunch of Christians being lazy. So they said, you know what, we're going to work hard physically and show them not to be lazy. And be an example to them. Because we'll teach them the gospel, but we'll also put it into action. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. <whistles> Guys, this is in the Bible. I'm sorry about this. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. This is an apostolic principle that I think has gone missing in this country at least. Oh, you don't have to work. We'll give you food. I think it's great that we help people who are weak. That we help people who cannot work. That we help the disabled, of course. But people who can work but don't want to, I question that. I honestly question that based on this principle. He who does not work must not eat. This is hardcore teaching. But the apostle says it. Okay, let's see what happens next. We hear that some among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy. They are busy bodies. By the way, here's another example of a lazy person. Looks busy. Does nothing. 
the busy body. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So let me summarize that for you. Paul is saying to the church, he's commanding them, stay away from lazy Christians. Don't associate with them. If a person does not work, he must not eat. Christians must earn the food they eat and stop being lazy and warn them. Warn lazy Christians. Yo, this is hardcore. Go home and think about it. I still have to think about it as well. And then he says, we're an example. The apostles were not lazy. The apostles decided we're not going to rest on the shoulders of the church or of the government for our food. I can work. Therefore, I'm going to go work. And I'm going to earn the food that I need to eat. A Christian is not a parasite. A Christian is a fountain. A Christian works not only for himself. He tries to work so he can bless others too. That's the attitude of a true Christian. He doesn't just sit back and be lazy and expect other people to feed him. That's not godliness. That's evil. You would never see an apostle sitting next to the road begging. You would never see that. Because he'd be working. Providing. It's part of godlessness. To sit and never want to work. Remember Psalm 37, 25. I was young and now I'm old. Yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Or their children begging for bread. Why is it that the righteous never beg? Because part of righteousness is this. You work to provide. You don't sit and be lazy and expect others to pay your bill. So let me give you some biblical advice. Of overcoming laziness. Maybe you're sitting here and you're like, oh my goodness, okay, I've been lazy. This church is going to kick me out of here based on what we just read there. No, we're not. What can I do? What attitude can I have to overcome my laziness? Okay. Because sometimes laziness comes for all of us. And I want to remind you why we are lazy sometimes. Because in this world to survive, you've got to work hard. You've got to work hard. And that's hard sometimes. And I want to remind you why. Because this is a spiritual thing. It's definitely a spiritual thing. Do you remember what happened in Genesis? When God cursed Adam. He said to him, cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. So we've got to remember, the reason why we are in this predicament is because of Adam's sin. The reason why we have to work is because of Adam's sin. The reason why it's hard is because of Adam's sin. It's a spiritual battle. Every time that you go out and you sweat and you work hard and you try to provide, you are acting in a spiritual way. You're fighting in a way a spiritual battle with your physical body. You are paying for sin in a sense. So that's deeply spiritual. Laziness and hard work really touch on our spiritual lives. It's got everything to do with it. 
So pain and sweat is inevitable. And we will only, to be honest with you, rest in the grave. Even those who are retired, I've got a, a, a quick note for you. Those who are retired, love you guys. You go to Okinawa in Japan. There's a documentary about the oldest people in the world who live there. And they ask the people, how do you guys get so old? And they said, well, because we have an ikigai. And an ikigai is something that you do until you die. It's a work you do until you die. And it keeps them alive. For some people, it's sewing and making stuff. For other people, it's woodwork. But you've got to find something that you like doing and that keeps you active. Otherwise, you will die sooner. My opinion. And it's been evidenced if you go look at that, uh, that study. So we can keep on working till we die. You don't have to be employed till you die. But you've got to find something to do until you die. All right. But when we get to the grave, we will rest there. All right. So here's three points for you to take home. Number one. Think forward. Think about the future. Think about the fact that what you sow today, you will reap in the future. You will harvest. So think ahead. Don't think about the moment. Because lazy people generally think about the moment. Yeah, but it's, I don't want to do it now. Yeah, but tomorrow you will pick up the blessing. Here's the Proverbs 20 verse 4. Sluggards do not plow in season. So at harvest time, they look but find nothing. Oh my goodness, where's the corn? We have an, a word in Afrikaans I want to teach you, which is not a bad word. It's mampara. Okay? A mampara is like, like African, for you silly, stupid person. Okay? It's like, the reason why there's no corn is because you didn't plant it, mampara. That's why it's not there. Beautiful text. Check this one out. Proverbs 24, 30. I went past the field of a sluggard. What do you think a field of a sluggard looks like? Uh, so I walked past it and uh, past the vineyard of someone who has no sins. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. I applied my heart to what I observed and I learned a lesson from what I saw. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of hands and rest. And poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like, a, like a, an armed man. I think the point is pretty um, clear there. If you want to have success into the future, you've got to work today. So sometimes you have to get yourself up, get stuff doing, not because maybe you don't feel like doing it now, but think ahead to what it's going to produce. And there's an eternal impact as well because Ecclesiastes says this so, so powerful in chapter 9, verse 10. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. For there is no work, no, nor device, nor knowledge, nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest. This is the once a year you'll be seeing me read from the King James Version. But the text is saying, if you can work, do it with everything that you have because you're going to die. And when you get to the grave, then nothing matters anymore. You've done what you can. Use your mind, your body, your strength to do something. And put everything into it and you will have success. Because the day is coming when you won't be able to work anymore. So look forward to the harvest in this life. And look forward to the day when you die. And you can end off and you can say, hey man, I've used up all my energy in this life. All the strength I had, I used. Secondly, think outward. So think forward and then think outward. Proverbs chapter 6. Very intriguing verse this. Chapter 6 verse 6 to 11. Go to the ant. You sluggard. Consider its ways 
and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, I've read this verse many times, and I thought to myself, obviously, ants are not lazy. Obviously. So, I need to go into nature and go find out, is it true that ants aren't lazy? And how, how does, certainly scientists have studied this. And so I went and consulted my good friend, uh, Google. And Google came back and said to me, actually, they've done research on this. And I'm sorry to do this to you. 40% of ants are extremely lazy. They stand the whole day. Look at their buddies do the work. They studied this. They colored ants in. Here's some of the images. They put, they put like paint on them to see how they move, who, who moves who, and who moves. That's how they got to the number, about 40% of ants. They just stand there while everybody else works. And they try to figure out, why are these ants so lazy? So they took the ants out, like in you know, whatever containers or whatever it was. They took the ants out that were doing all the work. And guess what happened? Those lazy ants, they took their place immediately. And they continued with the work. And so the theory is this, what the scientists are telling us, the guys studying this, they're saying, those ants aren't lazy. They're working together as a team. They're preserving the energy. They're building up strength to take over. Because they're working as a team. They all want to achieve the same thing. And they don't need a commander to tell them what to do. It's incredible. The Bible says we've got to go to the ant and talk about it. So what am I trying to get at? I'm trying to get at this idea. That maybe you don't want to work for yourself. What about realizing that other people could use your strength? That you could do something to help somebody else that's weak. Why do you have to have somebody to tell you that maybe your neighbor needs a bit of help? Maybe you don't want to work to improve your own life, but what about the person who lives next to you? That's what the ants do. That's what Christians are supposed to be doing. Look at this text in Ephesians 4.28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. You might have enough. And the moment you have enough doesn't mean go sit back and relax until Jesus comes back. What about working to get some more for somebody else that can't work like you? What if we changed our minds like that? That if we look out... Instead of just looking inside the whole time saying, well, I'm so lazy and I just want to sit here and do nothing. What about somebody else that you could potentially help? You see, a lazy human is a burden on society. But a diligent Christian is an asset to society. Here's a, another example in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. It's a beautiful text. Go read it again. But what it's essentially saying is this. You show that you love God when you help His people. That's how you show you love God, when you help His people. And Paul says, I don't want you to be lazy in helping God's people. 
once again, maybe you don't have to work on yourself. But maybe somebody in here needs some help. What about working for them? So look forward, look outward, and lastly, look upward. Look upward. Think of Jesus. Rise from your bed in the dark, in the cold weather, for him. Maybe you wouldn't do it for yourself or others, but maybe you would do it for him. After all, he stood in the dark, sweating. He was put on a cross in pain for you and for me. Put your hand on the shovel for him. He gave you your body. He gave you your strength. Honor him with your body and your ability. In Colossians 3.23, the text says, whatever you do, work at it all with your heart as working for the Lord. Perhaps it is true that there is no such thing as secular work. Maybe we shouldn't even use that phrase. All work is done towards God. All work is done for Him. And do your work with God's breath. Transform your physical work into a spiritual battle. As you experience discomfort, as you fight your flesh, think about the curse of Adam. Think about the battle against sin. Work with your physical body representing your spiritual battle. James 2.18 says, someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. When people look at the way you work, do they see Jesus or do they see some lazy devil? Let your physical work show people what you're made of. That you're a servant of the greatest servant that has ever lived. That came and served the human race by dying on a cross. That put everything into it. That's the way that you work. And lastly, Jeremiah 48 verse 10. A curse on anyone who is lax in doing the Lord's work. May there be a curse on us if we are lazy doing God's work. Lots of thoughts. Lots of things to take home. Do some introspection on. If you want these notes, you, you're welcome to tell me and I'll, I can make you copies.